Mr. Drake, the termination of subject 373 was a disaster. Costs were 156% higher than the original estimate, and, uh, mm, oh, yes, he got away. Let's get together, I'll say it first, we all love fun, and it's time for Kill Me Cast, yeah, it's time for Kill Me Cast. Welcome to Kill Me Cast. Here is your host, Francis Rizzo III. Thanks, Bernard. Welcome to all the Val Pals out there listening to a new episode of KilmerCast. I'm your host, Francis Rizzo III, and I'm here to talk about the films of Val Kilmer, one of the most truly entertaining American film actors of the modern era. On this episode, we'll be checking out Kilmer's role as evil middle management in 2009's Hardwired. Joining us to chat about the film and Kilmer's role in it is a barbecue aficionado who writes animation for a living because that's what Ricky's do best. It's two-time KilmerCast champion, Ricky Roxburgh. How are you doing today, Ricky? Very good. And and I, I love that you you said that's what Ricky's do best as a John Tigger, which is like tear. <laughs> like, <laughs> the absolute heartwarmiest thing. <laughs> so we are making history here today, at least Kilmercast history, because you were the first guest to appear on back to back episodes. Nice. Yeah. As, as you as you reflect on this momentous occasion, did you ever imagine you'd get to this point? I didn't. I, I mean, I just, I came from a trash family on Long Island, just humble means, humble background. And uh, I, I mean, I barely got through college and, and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the, actually the halfway point of KilmerCast. There are 22 episodes ago, and this is the 22nd episode. It's kind of surreal to think it's gone on this far. I, I, when I started, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. And then it actually keeps going. And I was like, oh, wow, it just keeps happening. You know, you probably didn't know this, but there was actually another KilmerCast, KilmerCast with a C, that started in 2014. When I started this show, I had no idea it existed because when I searched for KilmerCast, I naturally did it with a K because Kilmer. Yeah. But apparently there was another show on. It lasted nine episodes. I asked, asked the two hosts of that show to come on this show to talk about Kilmer and their show. But they, they never responded back, which is kind of a bummer. I hope one day maybe to get them on the show to just chat about why they stopped doing the show and talk about their fandom of Kilmer. My guess is this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they never got this far, unfortunately. They, uh, they had a different pattern. They started with all the big movies. They did Batman Forever and uh, a couple other ones. And one weird one that I'd never heard of. But yeah, this would have done it. This would have definitely <laughs> stopped, yeah. the, stopped the tracks. <laughs> marathon off with like all the Gatorade and then like but there's no Gatorade after the first mile you it's know? gonna be hard to get through yeah there's no <laughs> cup of water to throw in your face no <laughs> oh there's a there's a couple of good ones coming up beyond this one that but you know it's definitely had to get over this hurdle for sure yeah <laughs> So it's only been a few weeks since we last sat down at the Kilmercast studios. So I assume not a lot has changed in the world of Ricky. It's kind of status quo, right? Yeah, not a lot, not not too much. Yeah, nothing has changed. Nothing. Well, well, you say nothing, but one thing has changed. We got the trailer for Cruella. So you know, did you? I'm sure you watched it, right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what were your thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't have any sympathy for like dog killing people you know like there, there's this yeah. thing where like cruella deville it looks like a beautifully made movie it looks lovely it looks like emma stone will be great in it mm-hmm. but like i mean she first of all she has it like a history of sort of like like getting into movies that 
our like when she was in Aloha and she played yeah. a Asian woman, you know, and then now she's going to play like I assume why you will like Cruella DeVille. Why choice. Bad. It's a really bad. I mean, because I could think here's what I think. I think that every single Disney villain could make a better. This is what they, you know, I'll, by the way, I'll add this. I'll add this to it because they're, they're obviously at least selling it with a Joker flair. If it wasn't Disney making it, I could go, oh, OK, maybe this can be a dark movie. Mm-hmm. But because it's it's a Disney movie, I assume it's got to be lighter. But it's like you could you could show Ursula's life in the kingdom before she went and became a reclusive sea witch. Mm-hmm. You could you could show, you know, I don't know, Scar. You could have Scar and like Mufasa's a dick growing up. And like, so you kind of understand why he does what he does in a way. Sure. But like Cruella DeVille just wants to skin hundred and one puppies for a coat yeah she just like she just wants to murder puppies that's all for fashion redeemable yeah yeah and i don't care like i don't care what background she comes from i don't care how mean her boss was Mm -hmm. or what she wants to prove or what amount of like girl boss power they want to inject in it like i don't it yeah that so that's what i think of it i think like what the hell are they doing and like maybe the the only thing that I wonder about it is it must be such a good idea. They've got some kind of angle that's so good that they forgot about the puppy killing. It's kind of hard to forget about. To me, it's hard. Like, where where is this movie going to end? Like that's the question. Is like what is the end point before one hundred and one Dalmatians? <laughs> like, is is she going to have some sort of redemptive moment and then turn bad, or is it going to be always just straight through bad, bad, bad? I don't because like you know Joker's the villain in the end of Joker and he's Joker all we've known him as you know they never try to really redeem him in the movie they just explain him this one it seems like she's the star kind of redemption like if you cast Emma Stone as Cruella you kind of want the audience to like her yeah like in Joker he at least gets like some kind of like twisted recognition at the end Mm. where you go like wow this is this I mean he he ends up in in the asylum yes Mm -hmm. asylum but like he has that moment where like everybody sort of if you kind of contrast it with the with with when he's doing his stand up and he's loath or he's getting you know getting the crap beat out of him in the beginning like he he's sort of rises to a height you know yeah. even though it's a dark height um cruella i mean we know that she we know she's going to be successful in fashion mm-hmm. i yeah i don't i don't know what is she successful at killing puppies in this one? Oh, God, that'd be a real tough to sell. Killing puppies in the movie. So, is she going to be successful? Is she actually going to get? She going to get some Labradors? Is oh, she get? Gonna... I don't know. Like, it's just so it's so cringy, and and I also I'm very partial to uh, Glenn Close as Cruella because mm. have you seen the original like the original remake? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oscar. Well, first of all, it's Glenn Close. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to top that is not going to be an easy task. <laughs> yeah. But she's like, she's so, I, I, I watched it like a month ago and she was so good. And she's, she's a like maniacal puppy killing witch. So it's. Yeah. See, I, I don't, I, I can get by Glenn Close purely as a villain. You know, she sells that, you know, we've seen her do that. I don't buy Emma Stone as a villain. I mean, I don't know if we've ever seen her as the bad girl in a movie like this or any movie like for that matter. 
you know, I don't know if she has it in her to be that evil. She's always been so likable. Yeah. I feel like it's just going to be like Devil Wears Prada. And then they're going to try and I feel I I feel like they're going to try and twist it to like, we thought that she wanted to kill puppies, but she didn't really want to kill puppies. She like, I, I don't know. That's that's the thing that I have in my head that I'm like, oh, yeah. they're going to try and like undo what she's what she is. I could see that she's misunderstood now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> uh, uh, and and I'm not even like completely anti all these. I mean, I like I I really love Mary Poppins Returns. I mm-hmm. love uh, Christopher Robin. Yeah. You know, they, I I think Disney does a good job with some of these. So maybe, but yeah, Maleficent was recent was pretty good. Yeah, there you go. They cleverly managed to make Maleficent into a into a sympathetic good character. But I, I don't know what they're going to do. Well, before we dive into today's movie, we have to go back in time. Gather round as we put Kilmer in context. So Hardwired arrived on video in America in on November 3rd, 2009. So we're going all the way back 12 years. <laughs> 12, I mean, 12 years shouldn't take us back to 2009. That seems too recent a time for 12 years. <laughs> this wasn't in theaters? No, you're going to be surprised. No, it just went straight to video. Crazy, right? So weird. (laughs) Well, as I'm looking back at what was going on in the world at the time, it was even more depressing than usual for this segment because this segment is always such a bummer. But in this case, this one moment sums up pretty much the entire time frame. It happened in Australia. The West Atlas oil rig that had been leaking oil and gas for 10 weeks into the Timor Sea caught fire after an attempt to plug the plug the leak so you know good times all around <laughs> even trying to fix things things got worse somebody filmed it and this is the this movie's the result <laughs> giant oil fire yeah <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile this is the craziest thing i saw at the time the uh, in saudi arabia during the hajj the big pilgrimage they have there was a storm that was so powerful it brought three years worth of rain in just four hours killing 150 people i mean that's just nuts i mean i get it the desert you probably don't have a lot of rain over three years but to bring all three of it into four hours god i can't even imagine what that was like uh it, so it's horrible i've lived in florida so i can tell you exactly what that's like <laughs> every, every day right? <laughs> <laughs> well in some good news november 20 2009 also saw china finally approved the construction of shanghai Ch- uh, disneyland um after a decade of negotiations it took them forever to build that I, I kind of want to go check out the Tron and the Marvel stuff they have at, at Disney uh, Shanghai. But I have to say, now that Super Ma- Nintendo World exists in Japan, I, I think I'd go there first. <laughs> I want to see Super Mario World so badly. Are they building it anywhere? Are they building it anywhere? Like, in Orlando. Over- they're building it in Orlando? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'll probably end up going to that first. But man, if that takes a long time, I... I don't know when 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 things when things open up and I can travel. Good luck keeping me away from that. Please, that Seriously, attraction. Mm. I want to go so bad. <laughs> I, w- I would kill a hundred and one puppies to <laughs> ride on that on that attraction. Absolutely, like, <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm gonna be on a murdering spree. <laughs> yeah. I w- and, and then everybody would everybody would watch a movie about me and be like, be like, oh, so he was killing all the puppies just to get on the Mario Kart attraction. I understand. I sympathize. (laughs) Tears in the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the entertainment landscape, number one on the Billboard charts was Fireflies by Owl City. 
I can't say I know much about uh, his other work, uh, you know, Owl City, but everything I've heard of his, I enjoy, especially the song he did with Carly Rae Jepsen uh, for the Wreck-It Ralph soundtrack, um, Good Times. What's your take on Owl City? Do you, you like that music? I, I do enjoy Owl City. He also did a Disney parade, uh, uh, Paint the Night parade. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's just one of those guys that like sticks around and like he does his thing. And the fact that he partnered with Carly Rae Jepsen, who is a uh, an icon, and uh, mm. and uh, I'm a huge fan of her. So anybody that that crosses paths with her immediately has my uh, backing. Also, uh, Al Al, uh, the I mean, I guess his name isn't Al City, but uh, <laughs> he's he's like from what I hear, he's like on the spectrum. Oh, okay. And my my daughter's on the spectrum, so I mm. I. Uh, I, I often use him as a as, as somebody to point to for you know what like, you can do. Yeah, look, this guy he just like made music in his room and wreck it round. Became a worldwide sensation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got to work with Carly Jordan Jepsen. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, I really, I, I enjoy. I, I think he's like upbeat and yes. soothing at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And number two was uh, "What You Say" by Jason Derulo. Now, <laughs> I like the way you said that. What you say? <laughs> so this song combines two of my favorite internet things. First, first of all, there's that Lonely Island digital short, "Dear Sister." You remember that one, where it was um, J- uh, Bill Hader and Adam Sandberg. Uh, I mean, they used the Imogene Heap sample that Jason Derulo used. This one here, "Dear Sister." By the time you read this, I mean, I love this sketch. <laughs> and they just loop it over and over again. You know, it's funny because it's the references of the OC, because that's what the scene was making fun of the OC, using a song sample, then inside this. But now this sample is inside of Jason Derulo's song. And it's like, it's like the turducken of references for me. It's like everything combined into one. And I, I really enjoy that, that bit, even though I couldn't, t- I wouldn't have been able to tell you that was Jason Derulo who sang that song in the end. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Or- and of course, there's also the Jason Derulo kid, which I, you know, is my main, outside of Cats is my main reference for Jason Derulo is the Jason Derulo kid. Do you know him? No, this is, this is, remember, January, like, February, March, April, May, June, Jason Derulo. So basically he <laughs> <laughs> he went down the, the the initials of the of the uh the year so january february march april may and then when you get to G, uh july august and september october november is jason <laughs> and then december so jason derulo and i it, for some reason that stupid little thing stuck in my head forever <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i was today years old when i when i figured out that the second half of the year spells jason <laughs> Things you learn on KilmerCast. <laughs> I also realized that the closer we get to present day, the worse I I will get with like I th- on on the Willow podcast on the Willow Cast. Uh, <laughs> Are you starting your own show? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you know the, the episode with Willow, which like you, I don't know. You mentioned you you, you had some like really obscure songs, and I was like, mm. oh yeah, I know that one. I know that one. And you're like, wow, you know these. That's crazy. <laughs> but, like now I'm just like Jason. 
Yes, Rulo, yes. Well, let's see if you know this next one, number three, which uh, I definitely, I, I've heard the chorus. And that's why I, I always struggle. Where did I actually hear this song? My guess is always Glee, because I always assume that they used it on Glee at some point. But I have no real experience with the song itself. It's a song called Down by Jay Sean featuring Lil Wayne. And uh, I'll play a little clip of it. I love now i know this this chorus this is you know right there in my head i just i don't i never i didn't know who jay sean was i've never heard of him <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the, it's like the go bot uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that makes perfect sense to somebody who's from the 80s i mean <laughs> the, yeah. the knockoff version <laughs> I always like the GoBots. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't have a real huge memory of them, but I, I remember as a kid being like, "Oh, I like the GoBots." <laughs> I like them because when when I couldn't like when a transformer was too expensive, my mom would let me get a GoBot. <laughs> I was in a store yesterday. They um, there's a store in Bayshore now called uh, Blast from the Past, where they have all these old toys that are up for sale. And they had, I was looking at this display case of old Transformers. So I was like, I had that one, and that one. I'm looking at the price tags: eighty, ninety, a hundred dollars. I'm like, oh man, where are those toys? <laughs> if I had the, I mean, all my toys were beat to shit, so you couldn't mm. sell them. <laughs> man, my mom threw them all out. So. <laughs> just thousands and thousands of dollars in plastic thrown out i would have the coolest room like (laughs) i guess that's why eventually we have we end up trying to recapture our youth by rebuying all these things true that's true (laughs) if our parents didn't throw them out then we would never have that opportunity Jumping over to TV, the chart looks somewhat traditional, which is odd for the time. Uh, it wasn't dominated by reality TV. Uh, part of it was the time of year, of course, because uh, sports took four of the top five spots uh, between the World Series, where the Yankees won the World Series, and a pair of NFL games. Sitting in tie for fourth, which this surprised me, it was tied with Monday Night Football, was a new, the new take on V. They had another um, miniseries of V, that sci-fi classic uh, miniseries. I, don't think, I didn't think anybody watched that new series. I did watch that new series. Yeah, was it any good? It was good. I thought it was really good. Hmm. And, but it, I mean, it ended two seasons in, I think. So you never okay. got to see where they were going with it. Huh. But okay. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. I hate that when the show ends like that. They really should just be given the chance to wrap it up in a movie or something. They really should have. They really should have. And they, yeah, they, they, I thought it, yeah, I, I thought they, they cast it really well the way they, the way they they made you know the the v characters look like they came from some kind of super good looking apple store like <laughs> the the main uh the like sort of the main alien was have you seen i can't remember her name she's in a million things she's in uh the hell is she uh she's the wife on homeland you seen oh, i don't know you're not talking about claire danes are you <laughs> i didn't no, watch no, homeland no, no. Claire, she's she's the wife of the the guy who's the red-haired terrorist. Oh, yeah, I would not know that. <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry, I'm dead end. Dead end. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. But he's fine. Uh, the rest of the chart uh, featured Grey's Anatomy, The Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men, Desperate Housewives, and NCS. Twelve years later, you can still watch six of the top ten shows on TV. That's pretty wild. That things haven't changed that much. Wow. So they ha- they just haven't come up with anything else, or they just rebooted them, one or the other. <laughs> That usually is the case is they just reboot it again. 
True. Now, Hardwired obviously was not on the box office charts, as we talked about. They did not make it into movie theaters. Uh, but the number one film definitely surprised me. It was This Is It, the Michael Jackson documentary, which I did not know did that well. And the crazier thing is, this was its second week in theaters. So it was hanging on there at number one. Wow. It made uh, $32.6 million in its second week. So a documentary was number one? Yeah. Yeah, the, this is the documentary that uh, covered his tour that he was going to go on just before he died. Yeah. And so he died earlier that year in June. And um, this one, this came out in uh, November when this film came out. And apparently people really wanted to watch Michael Jackson. Even you know, I guess this is before everything really came out after his death. Um, and people were still interested in Michael Jackson. And so they went to see that over this? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't at home watching Hardwired, no. <laughs> you think, you know, you'd, you'd say, ah, I could watch, you know, Val Kilmer with that hair, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch Michael Jackson. Oddly, yeah. there was not a single wide release debut in the top 10. It was a kind of a strange week. No new films were released widely this week at all. Was it yeah. a pandemic also? <laughs> no, I mean, I looked and I was like, what's the, what was going on at the time? It was just incredibly strange because the week after actually was when things actually really started rolling because you had the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, the Men Who Stare at Goats, the fourth kind, which I had to look up because I could not remember the fourth kind. It was like this weird sci-fi alien horror film with uh, Mila Jovich and then Richard Kelly's The Box. Uh, I mean, I think basically like now they just plan it better as to how they stagger out releases to make sure that every week there's something new out in theaters, at least when you could go to theaters. Uh, yeah. But then it was really weird. There was nothing new. And the week before it was hardly anything, just that This Is Us movie. Uh, it's kind of just an odd time. Yeah. I mean, February is normally like a little bit of a dumping ground. Well, it's November, though. November? Oh, yeah. God. Sorry. I'm thinking of now. November? <laughs> November is not that. Wow. No. November normally like you start in the award season yeah 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 and fam you know like i mean i guess yeah family films for thanksgiving and yeah yeah i mean i'll tell you the rest of the list of the top 10 and you'll be like what was going on back then because it was it feeling like movies were just a lost land uh paranormal activity law-abiding citizen uh couples retreat where the wild things are sauce six astro boy the stepfather Amelia, which had started its award run at that point, which is probably the only one that really stands out, and Cirque du Freak, the Vampire's Assistant. <laughs> Not a great lineup of the top ten. Yeah, I don't know. They, they that's that. The, Hollywood is asleep at the wheel. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> they're all looking. All the studios are looking at each other. Like, you, what, you didn't have a movie. I don't have a movie. What? Do you <laughs> I got Cirque du Freak. <laughs> <laughs> I made a new, another saw last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You might as well put it out. What a sad hodgepodge. Yeah. Oh. You're so used to now with like, every week is something interesting coming out, you know, and now at this time it was just like, ugh, law-abiding citizen. That, I mean, what is that? Is that Gerard Butler? I believe so, yeah, with uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah, whenever, when, yeah, if, <laughs> whenever, whenever it sounds just like a nondescript uh <laughs> Sort of action suspense movie. I just sort of assume Gerard Butler's oh, in it. Geostorm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to take a little break uh, and we'll get right back to talking about Hardwired, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to KilmerCast. Let's get into this film. 
Hardwired is written by Michael Hurst, who, based on his filmography, is a bit of a hustler. He, uh, he seems to have done basically every job you can do on a film, uh, from camera operator all the way to producer. Uh, and he's also got 12 writing projects to his credit, mostly in the low-budget genre arena. He's done films like Baby Juice Express, which I'm certain I know what that means. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mansquito, you know, Man Mosquito, uh-huh. and Pumpkinhead Blood Feud. So based on his past work, hopes were not high entering into Hardwired. His most recent work, though, is on the CW sci-fi series Pandora, which recently wrapped up its second season. Behind the camera, Ernie Barbarash served as director. Uh, like Hearst, he's done a lot of different work in Hollywood. Uh, he got his start actually as the director on the prequel to Cube, Cube Zero. Did you ever watch Cube? Yeah, I saw Cube, and I think I may have seen a sequel. Yeah, Hypercube, probably. Probably. Yeah, Cube's a pretty cool movie. Cube is fun, yeah. I like that movie a lot. Uh, kind of a version of Saw, in a way. Yeah. I never watched Cube Zero. <laughs> I knew it existed, but never watched it. He'd go on to write, uh, direct, and produce a number of projects. He actually was a co-producer on American Psycho, and he was the director of an attempted TV reboot of The Saint, uh, though this time without Val Kilmer, even though uh, who played the role six years earlier uh, than this TV version of it. In recent years, Barbara Ash has found a new niche for himself. He does mostly Christmas movies, including A Royal Christmas, uh, Christmas in Rome, and Too Close for Christmas. Wow. <laughs> so a bit of a change from his earlier work for sure. But, uh, you know, I know those movies, people like those, you know, Hallmark style movies. And so, hey, more power to him to make them. Hey, if if I could make Christmas movies all year round, all the time, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you I wouldn't. I mean, well, considering you've already made a Christmas movie. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, enjoy, I enjoy it. I would like I would like to make, I don't know, make Christmas. Movies. Christmas was fun to do. Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, you know, it's the best time of year. Yeah, yeah. and Rome's great, too. So this yeah, guy... Christmas in Rome? Rolling in it. You know? <laughs> so Hardware starts out with this glitch, glitchy footage of a woman in a red dress drinking this drink, and she tells us she loves a man who knows what he wants. And then we see this guy running an alley, and I, I don't know, he knows what he wants, but he, you know, he's got to get somewhere. And we find out the woman is an advertisement. She's doing an ad for whiskey and it's running on a video billboard as he comes out of the subway station. And we also get some really subtle ads for Hope Industries. I mean, you, you obviously miss, you, you miss these ads for Hope Industries everywhere in the scene, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I definitely, they, they didn't jump out at me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously we have to pay attention that Hope Industries is something in this film because why would they introduce it like that? Cleverly named. Hope Cleverly in- named Hope Industries, yes. Oddly enough, on uh, on IMDb, they got it all wrong. They called it Hex Industries. I'm like, how did you miss that entirely? It was everywhere in this movie. Every five minutes, it was Hope Industries. Very weird. So the guy ha- running in the alley has this weird standoff with this old lady. <laughs> like, I was like, what is going on here? She's standing there staring at this old lady for a while. And then suddenly he spots a security camera. And so from the camera's uh, perspective, we find out this is subject 220. Uh, so obviously something's going on. There's some sort of probably test or experiment or something like that. And it says they're engaging failsafe and the guy's head friggin' explodes. I didn't expect that at all. I didn't expect it. But can we talk about how stereotypically homeless? The <laughs> oh, yeah. Is in this, like all of the homeless people have this like vaudevillian oversized. They're, they're all classic hobos. They are seriously like they, they, they all, they all look like they raided Milton Berle's closet. Like they're, they're, they're cut off fingers on their gloves. <laughs> like eight or nine layers each. I mean, there's him. Then there's the guy who. Well, no spoilers yet, but there's that guy. He. All the homeless people are right out of central casting. 
Yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, but no, I didn't. I didn't see his head exploding. I mean, once I heard the bee, I was like, "Oh, is his head gonna blow up?" And then, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It does. I have to say, I was a little bummed by this because, you know, thirty years ago we had scanners, which oh, is the classic head explosion in scanners. You remember that one? Yeah. This is thirty years now later, and it looks terrible in comparison to what happened in scanners. This was the worst explosion of a head I've ever seen. I think it's a very sloppy head explosion. Yeah, and then like when he's the body's laying on the street, there's like this bad fake blood around him, and it's just like just a lame effort to make this really look horrifying. Yeah, it's almost as if they had a low budget and like weren't good at making movies. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're supposed to say spoiler alert at that point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we get a text screen, and it says that just a few years from now, corporations control and observe everything. It's like, well, when did that not happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, Sunbeam is very powerful. I love this. So there's a Blade Runner style shot of the skyline, and everything has brands on it. Everything. You know, the Washington Monument has a Trojan ad on it, the <laughs> Trojan condom ad. McDonald's sponsors the Hoover Dam. Uh, the Statue of Liberty's torch projects the Playboy Bunny logo. <laughs> it's like the weirdest selection of logos. They, I mean, I guess they only could use what they could clear for copyright. And yeah. so Your like has Visa on it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, here's the thing, though. Um, I mean, oh, one of my favorites, Microsoft on Stonehenge. That was a classic. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they and by the way, this keeps going on and on for almost five minutes of just showing us logos on things. It's like the graphic designer in the film was just like, no, I got another one. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I made another one. Hold on. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite is that all of them invested in that sky projection technology where the where it just wrote, like logos just spin slowly because like some special effects guy goes, look, I know After Effects. <laughs> <laughs> I can use and I can use it in the gunfire throughout this film. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, though. Looking at all these projection logos, I'm like, would it be so bad? I wouldn't think we'd mind trading logo space if we could get some good infrastructure out of it, if the money would pay for stuff like the dam. Like, you know, hey, if McDonald's wants to put a logo on it, pay for the repairs. Fine. Go for it. That's great. Maintenance is, is expensive. And if we have to do advertising for it, I don't know about the Washington Monument having a giant Trojan logo on it. That might be questionable. We might have to have some discussion on what can advertise on these things. But overall, not the worst idea in the world. Yeah, no, no. I mean, well, I mean, we, we do. That's it's like I mean, I guess Disney is owned by a corporation, but, you know, there's plenty of things where it's like such and such corporation sponsored. You go to a museum and they sponsor things. Mm -hmm. So why not? Why not do it to the whole world? <laughs> See, advertising anyway. Uh, I, I just like the late, like the, cor the, the way that they talk about it, like corporations now know everything that you do. Like it's the most not subtle or clever way. No of handling any of this no not at all they, they definitely were hammering you over the head with this is our topic you know here in the film is that corporations are bad and they're controlling your minds yeah <laughs> <laughs> well while all this is happening the credits are rolling by and they end with end val kilmer which i was like oh no we've been tricked again and he's not in this movie <laughs> he's in it for five seconds <laughs> because anytime you see end val kilmer it's not a good thing especially since he's on the cover of the freaking movie i mean he's half the side half the screen is him and the other half is cooper green jr and i was like end val kilmer oh no 
like I just I, I made Ricky watch this movie and he's not even in it. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought. And and when he find when he showed up for the first time, I was like, oh, this whole movie is going to be him in front of a green screen. Yes. i honestly believed he never stepped foot on on stage up until a point i thought he was like oh well you know i can just do this from my house (laughs) yeah he got got like brando and superman like (laughs) conditions yeah yeah like i'm gonna uh, you you got me for two days one day i'll go where cuba gooding jr is and the the other day we'll just shoot it on zoom (laughs) didn't exist at the time but it looked like like right now the quality of of picture and i mean everything behind you looks more real but like tommy it was like like the rooms the room green screen green screen meets all of these 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 horrible dystopia we'll get into it Yeah. So we start we start off with a happy birthday message from a pregnant woman. Um, we find out eventually she's Ronnie and she's married to Luke, who she gets in the car with. Luke is played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Very tired, sad Cuba Gooding Jr. No energy at all in this performance. The most this is the man. Let's just put let's put Gilmer into context. Let's put Cuba into context. Okay. <laughs> this is a guy who won. And won an Oscar for for a part where he's got the most the most energy. Yeah, just screaming half the time. Show me the money, guy. He won his Oscar and did a backflip on stage. A yep. backflip. This is a man who you know. I I imagine that like Monster Energy drink surges through his veins. He has so much energy, and then to watch him in this movie. From the first time you see him, he's coming out that she's coming out of like an ultrasound at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's coming out of, you know, like you do, you come yeah. out of the doctor's office ultrasound at night and then he's picking her up and he's so depressed. Oh, my God. <laughs> when she says, I love you. And he says, I know. <laughs> yeah. And sorry, I, that energy never changes. Whether there, he's fighting, whether he's, you know, ang- angry about it, it's just he never reaches a level of any kind of pure emotion or pure engagement in the film. No. And, and the whole his whole if he has a drive, because I if I could watch this movie a second time, I, I like I wanted to watch the movie a second time because I felt like I was missing something. <laughs> but his drive in the movie eventually not again not, not to get ahead of us but like his drive in the movie has to do with sort of like get you know finding out about this and like you know sort of avenging yeah definitely it's a, it's a rage yeah but, but he doesn't he, get there but he didn't like her at, at least it didn't seem like he liked her very much there was nothing there at the beginning yeah, like it seemed it seemed like he was going to about to ask for a divorce. Yeah, there there was no loving energy in that scene at all when we first meet these two. Yeah, and you would think and yeah, so it's like and and that and naturally it like doesn't go long before something bad happens. But why? Yeah. Even a little kiss in the car because she gets in, they're going somewhere. There's no explanation where they're going. He she says I love you, he says I know. Um and <laughs> and there's nothing else he just pulls out at that point dead-eyed just staring straight ahead dead-eyed and i'm like 
at least a little kiss would have said there's something between these two people. They, it could have been like, you know, they could have been just workers who have a very affectionate way of saying they, they like each other because they're not, there's no connection there between the two of them. Yeah. And, and you wonder, like, my, you know, my impression was that, oh, well, something terrible is going on between them, mm. you know, or this guy, maybe that's not his baby or, you know, his, you know, maybe his wife had an affair and this is some other, I don't know, like the, to me, like the con the context of this character was so miserable. Yeah. Especially when you put it in contrast to what we just saw, which was her saying, you know, it's your happy birthday. I love you. Uh, my baby, our baby wants to say, uh, you know, happy birthday and then gets in the car and just, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what, how do you, that's too much of a, a weird contrast in, in energy between them for this to be a loving couple for us to care whether or not they are, you know, what happens to them next. Yeah. And I don't, and, and it's never, because if you, if you went backwards in the movie, right. Mm. And you know where he's going and you know what he's, you know, what, what he ultimately like wants to discover. And then by the way, even at the end, when he gets what he's ultimately seeking, he's not happy either. No. So there's never. Yeah. Why? <laughs> there's a lot of problems with the motivation in this film. But that's not even something that's not even something that has it has nothing like you could look at, you know, you could look at Val's hair and say, oh, the wig guy, they couldn't put a good wig guy. You can look at the, the over-reliance on fire escapes and stairs <laughs> in this movie and 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 go, oh, well, they just didn't have a fancy, you know, this was the only set they could get. And this is yeah. the only you can look at those things. But like, how hard is it to just be to be like, hey. Cuba, this is your wife. You love your wife. Yeah. You're it's your birthday too. So you're going to have, you know, you're you're going to have some cake later and she's pregnant and the baby's healthy. Like, all she right. She even says, she even says I'm I'll make I have to leave for early. I'm going to make this up for you later, which I'm assuming is sex of some sort because the way she says it is very seductive. And I'm like, you got everything to look to look forward to here, buddy. Like <laughs> like what's wrong? What's going on with you? Yeah. A smile, even yeah. if you should like, oh, this is a low key guy. Yeah, but he's happy. There's nothing. A kiss. Why not a kiss? The easiest way to signify the relationship between two people is a kiss. <laughs> Takes nothing. Nope. And he just looks straight ahead, just stare. I know. <laughs> it's not even like a Han Solo. I know. No. That at least that that says it's like like in in you know in in Ghost. They say, you know, I love you, ditto. Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, okay. That's yeah, there's some personality there. Yeah, but it feels warm. It feels like they love each other. This, this is like, I, I seriously felt like he was just going to reach in the glove box and be like, 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 whose con who's condoms, are, you know, like something. Something I, bad was going to happen. Something bad was going to happen. And it was, he knew something bad about, and it, I'm like, I mean, it must have been just the very low pay. Like, he must have been thinking, I'm the Jerry Maguire guy. Why am I in this movie? Mm -hmm. This is the best. You're, you're, you're only – I mean, that's the only thing I can think of because – like, Yeah, because it happens throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. He just remains at that level. They couldn't get Van Damme. They got the Jerry Maguire guy. So bad. I wish Michael Ironside just would have been the lead. That would have been interesting. <laughs> He's way more cheerful. Oh yeah, way more way more engaged, way more involved in this film. Get the idea that he likes his fucked up son. Like, <laughs> just, just you know, when he comes down the hall and they meet, he's like, hey, he's like a kind of a warm. Yeah. Guy. 
sorry not to spoil Michael Ironsides, but you know, just saying, that guy, he seemed pretty happy to be there. He was there to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> Cuba, no, no, no such thing. No. And so we have dead-eyed Cuba, and he pulls out from the street and gets hit by a car immediately. The car gets T-boned, and the driver runs off. And it seems like at this point that Veronica has died. Uh, I mean, I, that's what I felt at this point. And Luke passes out after watching his wife die. And so we cut to the hospital, and Luke is there, and he wants to know how his wife is. Obviously, that's a problem because, you know, she's dead. And we find out that his insurance is expired because that's a thing that happens, I guess. I, I've never really thought about that insurance as an expiration date. I think that I always thought it just got canceled or whatever. <laughs> but so since he has no insurance, he's sent to F4 by the doctor, who's played by Hiro Kanagawa, who I don't know if you know who Hiro Kanagawa, but um, did you ever watch iZombie? Uh, no. Okay. iZombie is great. I recommend it. Uh, a lot of fun. And he plays Lieutenant Suzuki on iZombie. Really great character, enjoyable actor. And I like him totally wasted in this role. <laughs> doesn't have a lot to do as this doctor here so he's gonna send him to f4 which apparently is like where you just send people who have no insurance kind of like right leaving the die and uh four big dudes in black trench coats show up and i'm like oh okay here we go now we're getting into it and yeah. they they roll up and they approach the doctor and they flip on the screen behind him and there he is val kilmer with <laughs> the craziest hair you've ever seen on a on an actor anywhere nobody has had stranger hair than, than Val Kilmer in this film. In a Norman Bates wig. <laughs> <laughs> he it, looked like, looks like it, a fry guy from McDonald's. Like, you know. The hair is going in every direction at once. It's, like, was there a comb on set anywhere? Like, because it like, it is the wildest hair. And I know like around this point, he started wearing the long ponytail, you know, but his hair was always like luxurious. Val yeah. Kilmer hair was always something to behold. This yeah. is nuts. Like it's just like he stuck his finger in a socket and walked on to set. Yeah. No, it is. It's. It's like he went to Party City, and took a wig out of a bag and put it on his head. That's. Yeah. It. <laughs> it's terrible. Truly terrible. This is Mad Mardigan. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest dudes we've ever seen. Was that a wig? No, I think that was his hair, maybe. But I, I trust mean, him. Yeah. I mean, or Iceman. That was definitely Iceman. Like, yeah. He's got nice hair. He's, he's a handsome, great hair. A handsome, handsome man. Yeah. This is nuts, this hair. Yeah. And he's he's wearing this hair because he's playing Virgil Kirkhill from the aforementioned Hope Industries. I mean. This is a John Travolta bad wig. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. I mean. To the point where it takes over scenes. Yeah. Like, because he actually plays with his hair. Like, I, I mean, several times he runs his fingers through his hair as he's talking. And he, I'm like, what are you doing? It's bad enough that you, we can see this. Now you're drawing attention to it by touching it. <laughs> <laughs> it's stressful to watch. It is. <laughs> and like I said before, and like you said, it doesn't seem like he was on set because he's in a television. <laughs> Like he's on this screen background that is all like different television screens and everything. And he tells the doctor, Hey, you know, we have this thing that we can do for him. Just give him to us. And the doctor says, well, he has a sister and that surprises Val Kilmer. And so she has to, uh, you know, approve of this. I don't know why they mentioned this because there's no argument about what happens. The doctor just comes over and goes, Oh yeah, we're giving him to Hope Industries. 
I was like, what was the point of mentioning the sister in all this? You could have just cut out like five minutes right there, I think. Yeah. And the sister is there when he wakes up. Yes. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just to show that he doesn't remember anything because he like doesn't know. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. Who are you? You know, he's sort of confused when he wakes up and he doesn't know who she is and he doesn't know that he was married. Mm. You know? So I think that I think that's the reason that they that they did that to sort of to just to say that he's I guess I guess to to establish that that he doesn't know who he is anymore. But you also should have done that by having him wake up and say like, I don't remember anything. Yeah. Or she comes in and goes, oh, you're, you're okay. And he goes, who are you? Boom, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need permission. No. So he wakes up and he sees a uh, person standing in, in the room, this guy, Carter Burke, uh, who's selling him watches. <laughs> and we're like, okay. Uh, and then the guy disappears. But then we get the best performance in this entire film. I don't know if you agree or not, but the nurse who walks in. <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> the nurse walks in and he's like, yeah, there's a guy right there. And he's like, you had an operation. You were in a car crash. Your sister is here. And then walks out of the room. <laughs> in that cadence. It's like, what? <laughs> you couldn't get a better performance? Um, I don't know. I mean... I'm sorry, Ernie Barbarash, but what were you doing on this? Like, you couldn't have said, hold on a second. I think they, I think he whispered in her ear before she went on. He was probably like, she, I'll bet she was like up in Canada where they <laughs> filmed this and financed it. Just like, yeah, I got it. I'm in a movie with Cuba Good. <laughs> I'm going to kill this. You know, she probably had like 800 deliveries and then. He probably barged into her public restroom trailer and he's, and, and he's like, listen, you better not top Cuba. Don't <laughs> and he's yeah. at about a one. So you got to bring it down to a zero. <laughs> yeah. She probably was just looking at him like, can I just say that you, your sister, is, you've been in an accident. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really bad. And then we meet his roommate at the hospital, which is Bennett Jackson, who who introduces themselves with their full name in any situation. Uh, Didn't that immediately put you on edge here? It immediately let me know that I don't normally blame the writer because I I think there's other forces at work above them. Mm -hmm. But that that to me just felt like a really bad line in a in a in a in a script that I would throw out. Yes, I'm Bennett Jackson, which. You know, you have to think like when somebody does something that awkward and weird, you think, oh, well, that's going to pay off later. Mm -hmm. Like Jackson. And mm -hmm. it's like, we have to say Jackson later. But no, it's oh. just, oh, that's the way people introduce themselves with their first and last name. <laughs> well, he tells them that they you know, they did something to them and because he, he knows all about the implant in his head and, that, you know, he's seeing things as well. So uh, gives you look a little bit of a heads up as to what's going on with him. Uh, but then the sister comes in, she tells him Veronica didn't make it, but he has no Veronica. So, you know, he's because he has no memory. And then I love the doctor <laughs> tells the sister because she's like, how does he not know? He can remember how to tie his shoes, but he doesn't remember what his shoes look like. I guess that's a way to explain it. Yeah, it's a way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's a way I would use. <laughs> it's not. I would say this, though, it's about as good of a line as you could imagine somebody who says i'm andrew bennett as a introductory <laughs> like that there's a lot of stilted dialogue here yeah but 
but I think that's he was like, yeah, this <laughs> what's a, what's a clever way to say he lost his memory? What's a simple thing? <laughs> Something everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, you know what your shoes look like, don't you? Yes. <laughs> got which pair of shoes were yours? Like, <laughs> I mean, most people have probably more than one pair of shoes. <laughs> They're like, okay. <laughs> walk through your house like holding your feet up to your shoe so i wear heels so he, yeah he's oh man so we get another skyline shot and again trojan condoms is again one of the world's biggest brands i also love that oster is here oster who makes waffle makers and toasters is right amongst the biggest brands in the world yeah <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense in this film like there's like sunbeam yeah sunbeams in there too at the top it's like the tallest skyscraper in the city Sunbeam, which is also a toaster company, isn't yes, it? Yes, toasters are the biggest thing in the future. Yeah, <laughs> they, are, they are everything. <laughs> They've taken over our lives. No yeah. Google, no Google, just toasters. Yeah, it's like it's like have you ever seen Silicon Valley? Oh yeah, you know how the opening has all the logos. Mm -hmm. Like it would be like that if if you just if it was all the Bed Bath and Beyond, <laughs> as we see on TV. <laughs> biggest brand in the world <laughs> well luke is being watched by kilmer and there's also this big creepy dude uh who we don't know yet we haven't really been introduced to this dude but he's trailing luke as well and they get to luke's apartment luke and his sister it's really quite nice this apartment despite the fact that they're living with in what seems to be an active trash fire <laughs> it's like the rest of the area is a nightmare and this beautiful apartment he lives in I, I was like how did this happen because the sister explains oh it used to be much nicer when you first moved in and what happened to everywhere else but this one apartment survived everything <laughs> this doesn't make a lot of sense it also didn't look like it had a like a woman's touch like it didn't look like a woman lived there yeah yeah or like they were preparing for a baby or no anything. no where's the baby baby's room there's nothing of that like wouldn't that make sense to be like this is where the baby was going to be <laughs> yeah like we're gonna build some empathy here you mm -hmm. know but like but no yeah. Yeah, that would be a great way to discover that you were going to have a child would be to walk into a room where there's a crib and you're like, wait, did I have a kid? And, you know, the sister could be like, yeah, well, you're going to. Yeah, because it's all about lost memory. So it's like if he doesn't have an attack. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, oh, there, this is the this is the, the I don't know. You don't have a budget for a, a crib. I don't know, have a package of diapers. Yeah, something. Something that said like we're, or, you know, a little basket with, you know, but no. Nothing. But we like, do find out that Luke is a soldier, or was a soldier at least, because his sister offers so much backstory just by telling him everything. I mean, I guess I never really realized that amnesia is a really good tool if you want other characters to explain backstory. <laughs> just erase the character's memory and have the other person tell you everything about them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so just sit there, yeah, well, he doesn't know. I have to know now. <laughs> I don't know why we don't see this more often. It works so well. He sees the whiskey lady again, and then he leaves the apartment just, you know, out of the blue because he's upset about this whiskey ad lady showing up again. And we find two punks that are watching him from the uh, van. So <laughs> these two characters are, I find very silly, <laughs> punk red and punk blue. Uh, yeah. it, like, 
if this movie's not Canadian, then this would be insane. But the fact that it's a Canadian film made in Canada, I'm like, yeah, sure. That's what you would have in Canada is these two punkers of, you know, different colors, blue, red, and blue. Decks from the hackers auditions. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They just pulled them out of the file. Uh, but the one thing is that the, the female um, punk is Tatiana Maslany, who I think some people will know her from Orphan Black because Orphan Black is great. I think everybody's going to know Tatiana Maslany eventually because she's going to play She-Hulk in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. So this is a, a mid-early career role for her here in this film. It's hard to jump from this role to She-Hulk. You can't look at her here and go, well, that's going to be one of the biggest stars in the world soon. Yeah. I wonder if that nurse, like, if that nurse is going to play, like, Ms. Marvel or something. I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> Tatiana Maslany actually has some skill as an actress in this film. She's the best one in the movie. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know what was going on, but I felt like she cared. She cares like, a lot. Maybe a yeah. little too much, but she cares a lot. <laughs> yeah. But she, she, she conveyed the most believable... There was, she had she had more empathy for everybody in this movie than Cuba had mm -hmm. for his wife and and <laughs> unborn and child. I also I also want to this is sort of jumping jumping the gun, but like whenever he brings up that he was having a kid, it's like my wife and child. He always <laughs> says like my child. Yeah. So, no baby. Yeah, I was having a baby. I was having a you know like like my or like my son or my daughter. It's like mm -hmm. my child like, very generic it? very unattached yeah like are you a are you henry the eighth <laughs> like like what are you <laughs> my child my wife and my child like it was so very was formal a, very formal yeah like cut to him in a ruffled shirt <laughs> but yeah so she's she's great and then and then like i don't know a young eddie izzard with blue hair like See, i kind of got uh jimmy fallon vibes off of him mm, yeah yeah, he's actually a guy who has had some success on the festival circuit. He, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember his name. His name is like Juan um, Juan Reidinger. He has actually earned 16 festival nominations for his work as an actor and a filmmaker. He won 10 awards so far in film festivals. So he's got some, you know, chops apparently, but not. I don't really see it in this film. Yeah. Well, this this one is a little limited. Something tells me none of those are awards are for. Uh convincing keyboard hacking <laughs> to type to type like one minute and 30 seconds he typed almost 30 seconds <laughs> as as they watch kuba walking he ends up at the hospital i don't know where this hospital is in comparison to the apartment but he walks all the way from the apartment to the hospital and attacks the doctor he wants to know what's happening and the doctor tells luke about the operation and that he has this thing in his head and he has this massive headache attack and we've already seen one guy's head explode so we're like oh well you know this is what's happening to cuba mm -hmm. thankfully bennett jackson is there <laughs> because <laughs> he tells him hey we're lab rats of hope industries and you got to calm down and the only way to make this stop is to either buy or steal the product that you're being advertised in your head that's a real problem if this whole thing is an advertising scheme which we find out later yes this is a whole advertising which is the dumbest idea for a corporate evil plot if one of the ways to stop this is to steal the thing, this doesn't help things. I didn't understand this at all. They already put the ads all over the buildings. Yes, they're everywhere. And they're also choosing homeless people. Mm -hmm. 
They're doing this to homeless people. Who have no access to buying things. Why do they want their product stolen? Yeah. You're Why? encouraging crime. Yeah, like, but no, they're, they're encouraging, like, if, if you were making, if you were advertising Coca-Cola, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want people to steal Coca-Cola. You want them to, yeah. you also don't advertise to people with no money or home. Yeah. I mean, I realize, I guess, I guess it's experimental. So they're just trying it out. Yeah. But if you allow people to escape this situation by stealing your product, that's not benefiting you in any way. Yeah. The logic is so fucked. So we'll put like, like, can we just unpack what the plan is? It's, it's put a, put a very expensive chip, mm -hmm. like an unbelievably expensive military grade brain chip in. So for the permission of putting like future Elon Musk's Neuralink in your brain, that will pump your head full of advertising, we'll pay for your medical expenses. Mm -hmm. We'll pay for your medical expenses to put this chip in your head so that we can advertise a watch to you that you can't afford to buy, mm -hmm. but you will steal. Yeah. By the way, one of the products they advertise is gum. How is the paying for gum going to cover the cost of this at all? <laughs> is, it just, is it like a pyramid? Is this, is the hope, I mean, the phoniness of the sound, the tin sound of Hope Industries mm. is, but, but is this, are they just the worst ad agency? And they're like, the, the best they can come up with is forcing people to like, oh, we'll move product. Like, <laughs> you know. It'll get stolen, but it'll be moved. Yeah. <laughs> but I, like, what is the point? What is it? I, I don't understand what the end goal is, because if you put advertising in everybody's heads like this, and everybody sees all these ads all the time. Yes, they can solve it by buying. So I guess if it was low cost enough product, but I mean, right now it's expensive watches, expensive whiskey and gum. That's the only advertisement we see is yeah. those three products. And then also later on, it's revealed that these advertisements are often done in real time. Mm. Like, yeah, they're, they're actually on a stage being pumped into people's heads. Yeah, like they, they just don't have a recording that they can hit play. Apparently not. They need a live actor. Mm -hmm. So they're paying for an actor's time. They're paying billions of dollars to develop this chip to sell gum. Or to encourage people to steal gum. To encourage people to steal gum. So they're hiring an actor to get homeless people to steal gum. This is like... It's a terrible plan. I feel like I'm in, in like kids in the hall brain candy <laughs> like it's a drug for the world to give worms to ex-girlfriends <laughs> why you don't get it <laughs> can it give drugs can it give worms to ex-boyfriends no it's a drug like what i know that's a really really obscure reference but that's also a canadian film so and a great film yeah it's great but and on top of all this there's a way to explode their heads like, that's like, why is it going to explode their heads? Like, why is that a thing? Why is that part of this? Yeah, like, why murder? Because then nobody's going to buy your gum. Yeah. And then, also, I assume the chip is gone. And the first time somebody's head explodes and they say, oh, they had a chip in their head, you don't think people are going to be like, wait a second. And it's like an experimental, you would think they would just bring them in and say, oh, it's not working. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? Yeah, you can track these people everywhere, apparently, because that they have access to every security camera, every way of following somebody. 
Why do you have to explode their head? Just find them. But why are they, I'm serious. I'm like, we pointed this out. I have an Emmy for writing things. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. It's a bad like, idea. I'm fighting to understand any of the logic in this movie. Yeah. Okay, here's, here's a plot that would make sense, okay? Cuba Gooding Jr. is a really happy, wealthy guy, right? Mm -hmm. Only he like, he's responsible with his money and he's <laughs> saving it. Then this corporation puts this chip in his head that makes him spend all of his money mm. and drives him into the poorhouse or something like that. And then he goes, wait, somebody's controlling me and making me be a slave to this thing. I'm mad. But that's not what happens. No. That's still bad. That's still a bad plot. That's not a good no. plot. Yeah, if you remove the whole stealing allows you to get around this, that might help you. you know, because then it it's your you makes you a part of this capitalist machine. But yeah. if you can just steal and solve it, then it's pointless. But like, why even hire an actor? Then it should just be a beep and be like, if you don't buy Bubblicious, you're no. fucking dead. Like they've that. got this text screen thing they can do where they put text in front of people's faces through their skull. Like, just put up ads like that. They'll be like, buy, buy bubblegum. <laughs> Why do you need, like a, like, a sexy blonde in a red dress to sell you? Yeah. Like, it's just, it'd be like, buy bubblegum, and this message goes away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, also, like, imagine a world in which, again, I guess the most evil ad agency ever needs to spend money to hire an actress to get a bum to drink whiskey. <laughs> like, why? It's kind of overkill. <laughs> like, oh man, how are we gonna get? How are we gonna get all these all these central casting homeless to drink whiskey? No, I think some somebody once said, you know why heroin doesn't advertise because it's heroin. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> like, I'm sorry if if this podcast makes no sense anymore but it's like i make no this makes no sense to it me it makes zero sense this plot uh i mean maybe if you were forming an army like if these you know if you were taking these people minds over making them zombies that were fighting for you or taking over the earth but that's not the plan <laughs> yeah yeah if there's some sort of loyalty to because yeah there's no I don't know why anybody's doing anything in this movie and, and going back to what you said about brain candy say it was a cure for depression that also turns you into a zombie soldier for the hope industry, then yes, perfect, makes sense. It gives the person something they wanted and you know, and then you get what you want, you get the sol these foot soldiers. But no, they just wanna sell advertising. They actually say at one point, Val Kilmer says, look, we'll have a $22 billion a year recurring uh, profit from this. 22 billion is, that's what, that's this whole thing? That's the, that's the end goal of this? But no, you won't because people will just steal. Exactly. You gave them an out. <laughs> You're going to encourage a crime wave that nobody's ever seen before. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's. Oh, and by the way, I mean, spoiler again for anybody who's actually going to watch this movie and listen to this first. Bennett Jackson works for the company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he tells Luke, if you steal, the pain goes away. Yeah. Which, by the way, that's the most clever twist in the movie. Like when you realize when you realize that that like what he is, that actually, if, if there was like a clever point to all of this, mm -hmm. that would have been, if it was, you know, some kind of thing, like that's how they, that's how they get you or something by, by establishing this trust. But the fact that it's such a stupid goal. Yeah. 
of theirs. That's undercut by the person working for the company. Yeah. If he had just said, you got to buy the stuff, then yeah, it makes sense for the plot. But he tells him right away, oh, you can just steal it. <laughs> yeah. And you also like, you don't need, it's just such overkill. Like, why can't it just be like, oh, they implanted this thing in my head. And now I see advertising, even if it was just advertising and they just like, they, because there was like a similar, did you ever see, what is it? There's like a, it's a musical with Paris Hilton. Repo, the uh, genetic opera. Yeah. Yeah. And they like, when you're dying, they, they show up and they give you a heart and then they like sign you up mm -hmm. payments for, you know, it's like school loans or something like your, or med, I mean, I guess medical loan, you know, medical bills too, but like, you're basically a slave to this company for the rest of your life because they put this artificial heart in you and mm -hmm. it's so expensive that it just makes you this, you know, everybody that that's like never gets sick because you'll just owe thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for the rest of your life and you'll never pay it off. Like you're, it's indentured servitude. Mm -hmm. Even if they went that route, you know, where it was like the only way to do, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not even saying anything clever because there's just nothing even like, I can't find anything that makes sense in this plot. Yeah. But it's so weird. It is extremely weird. And it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't pay off in the end. It doesn't pay off. He's trying to, this company, by the way, also this company killed his wife. Yes. So it's not like, it's not like he just accident. Like, why did they kill his wife to put, they were like, we're going to injure him. And you find out that they canceled his insurance. Mm -hmm. Although that does. Yeah. I'm not, I, again, uh, as we talked, we said before, I give too much credit to these films, but they, do you explain this because it's Drake, the guy that we saw before. That's his plan. He has a sub plan to Virgil's plan. He has a what? <laughs> he uh he has a, a vengeance plot against Luke, and that's why he puts him in the program. Oh right, 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 right. When he confess in the apartment, when he does that really long confessional about yes. a, like a mission that we never saw, in a role in his life that we never experienced. Yeah, right. So yeah. there is Sorry, some I about reason. that. They just told me. <laughs> so there's some reason why he's in the project. I'll give him that much credit that they they explain that away at least. But in the end, the whole project itself, besides it, like they call it Project Six Sixty. Why six hundred and sixty people? What does that do? That's not a number anybody ever uses for trials or experiments or anything. 660 is a meaningless number. Why would you do that? It seems like it's some sort of nod to the devil. Came up short then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a not clever person's way. Order 66 was taken by, by, by Revenge of the Sith. So it was like, we put a zero at the end. They'll never know. Like, ah. I mean, oh, <sighs> my head hurts. Maybe you have an implant. Maybe I have an implant because it just, it just, I'm just trying to unpack. I, I'm really just trying to unpack the plot. And then these guys, like, like, why did the red and blue people, the red and blue hackers choose him? Like, there's that part where she's like, he's different. Yeah, I don't understand that either, because how would they know anything about him that would make this different like do they have access to his background like that until they actually meet up with him i don't think so also what's different he's not homeless i think that well she says because he has a family no he doesn't they're dead well he has a sister none of the homeless people have well i mean i guess they're i don't it's a stretch it's a real stretch <laughs> 
Maybe yeah. she just means family that care about them. I guess. Or it's that he's a soldier and he can fight. I guess. But nobody else has ever been a soldier. I guess maybe <laughs> they've never. I, there's a lot of coincidences have to, have to fall into place for this to work. I mean, I guess this is Canada. So, like, there's not many, like, good people, people that are good at fighting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm just glad saying this because when I was watching when I was watching this movie I was I was just I thought I had I thought I reached that point you know when that when you reach that point where you don't like music like new music anymore or <laughs> or like and I'm like is this the point where I I stop being able to understand what's going on in a movie <laughs> like, like... <laughs> there's a lot happening here that doesn't make sense uh, which we quickly realize when uh, Luke actually follows Bennett's advice and steals a watch from a street, uh, the window of a, a store and gets caught by the cops. And he has another headache attack. And it, uh, we're like, oh, he's going to maybe now his head will explode. I'm like, we're waiting for another explosion of a head. But then he sees a sign in his head that says, we stop the pain, trust us. Like these weird like words in the sky. And then they tell him, oh, the safety's on, on the gun that the guy's holding. And so he runs away with their help. It's. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. We can see it from over here in this truck. <laughs> well, they do have those zoomy little like camera thing. So again, yeah, yeah I, I try not to give too much credit, but I always do. Uh, People should bring me in to say like good things about movies because I'm I'm willing to say good things about at least at Bell Kilmer's them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts running away and they sent they put up arrows in the sky to help him. I mean, I kept wondering how exactly do they know everything that's happening? But then I guess they have access to the security cameras as well. And I was wondering, can they see what he sees through the chip in his head? I, I was not sure if that's something they have the ability to do. I don't think so because it's not like they never established that his eyes are cameras. Mm, true. And they, Although, they cameras, like they keep showing them like, like later on when he's like, go in for red. Mm. Like, there's, there's the implication that they're, they're hacking it. Like there's all these cameras that are turning around. So I feel like they wouldn't be showing, I mean, again, giving them too much credit, but I feel like they wouldn't be showing cameras if they could just hack into your eyeballs and see what you see i guess i mean like i kept wondering because they show a lot of footage from his life at later at a later point when they take him on his cyber trip through his through memory lane which i hated that line um we see a lot of footage of him third person and i'm like wait how did they because they show him in the car with his wife getting hit by the car from a footage from an angle in the car so i was like where did they get that footage from (laughs) that doesn't make any sense i get i get security cameras but this camera was in the car next to cuba gooding jr looking at the two of them it wasn't him looking at his wife like b-roll yeah yeah the second unit was shooting this i think (laughs) yeah i the movie loses track of its own rules at times it's again it's almost like it was made by people who don't know how to make a movie like well, in case we get lost, the next scene, we're back at Hope Industries, and they explain <laughs> everything that happens. Like, I was like, oh, thanks. You know, you just they told us every single thing that happened until this point. And we find out that the fail safe that was in uh, Kubrick and Junior's head is blocked. 
And then we get to meet Mr. Drake, the creepy guy from before. Uh, Virgil has brought in Drake to handle Luke, which I don't understand again, because why is Virgil bringing him in if Drake's the one who brought Luke in, we find out later? How does that work? Isn't he already a part of this company? Yeah. Yeah, well, the I mean, the company just just treats everybody like disposable fodder. Like, I guess. And yeah. everybody seems to have their own mission, because like you said, Drake has his own submission. Mm -hmm. His revenge plot. Yeah. So he happens to live in the same city as this guy and happens to work for this company and goes, this is a way I can get back at him. But he's also got to play by the rules of the and then gets brought in to clean things up on a project he apparently set up yes this doesn't work for me <laughs> yeah if you can't even get the brain implant reason right yeah don't do all this other stuff no you got to simplify <laughs> yeah it's like a I don't know. I mean, like my my mother-in-law, God love her, like isn't isn't the best cook, right? And then it's like her saying like I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make Chateaubriand or something. It's like no, just <laughs> start small. Spaghetti and meatballs, you know, just <laughs> simple. Like what are what are they why are they trying so, they try so hard to be so clever mm -hmm. and fail. And fail. Left and right. Twist upon, like, oh, twist upon twist upon twist upon twist. <laughs> well, back at Luke's apartment, he sees another ad, this time for gum, the, the aforementioned gum, which comes in flavors like mulberry mint and Chinese chocolate. I would love to know what Chinese chocolate is. What, what does Chinese chocolate taste like? Roaches. <laughs> I mean, no, what? it's chocolate what is chinese chocolate that doesn't make like it's the dumb again uh, like trying to be futuristic blade runner-ish and making up chinese chocolate like that doesn't it's again too clever for its own good that this film tries at every turn yeah yeah it's it's, it's another like you know you can remember what your shoes how to tie your shoes but you can't tie you know you don't i don't even know yeah. <laughs> like we need a clever name for gum chinese chocolate that's too clever it doesn't make any sense what does that mean yeah that sounds no. like, like the, the the 78th color in the crayola box <laughs> one that's got them in big trouble yeah <laughs> he's hanging out there he sees this gum ad and the bad guys show up at his apartment to capture him but again he's got these instructions to help him escape and he ends up shooting two people in the street one a woman who's carrying a baby and another a guy who pops up out of a truck bed. Now, again, I said, how do the people, the punks know that these things are happening? These two especially because he they target on the woman with the baby before she reveals she has a gun and target the guy in the truck before he even appears in the scene. So mm -hmm. how do they know what's going on without him knowing what's going on? I think that, <laughs> and I know you give, you, you're giving the movie a lot of credit. I think that it's just such, I think it's just so bad. I just think it's bad. Like they, because the, keep in mind, they're in an ice cream truck, which a lot of the time also they're in a, they're in a phony back, like it's a phony background. Mm -hmm. So even when they're in the truck, they're not always in the truck, but it's one, it's that generic, it's just a generic big square metal truck. So there's no windows. No. There's no and and they also don't have like screens all over the car. They have a small laptop. They have like a like a 
13 inch laptop. So, I mean, the level of detail that they're able to see and the speed with which they're, they're capable of predicting what's going, because they're also like, they're just two computer hackers. Yeah. They're not like. Super spies or, you know, precogs or. You know, they're working with Michael Ironside in a sweater. Like, what, <laughs> what are they? Like, so I, I, I mean, I think, I think the movie just sort of takes advantage of this idea that they can hack into things. They just love the word, ha- you know, hacker hacking, and they misunderstand what that does. <laughs> yeah, they, they take advantage of the idea that that hacking into something is. If you're a hacking genius, you can just smack on a keyboard. If you got chip of of Kermit the Frog smacking a keyboard, and you can you you can then have access to any any device in the world. So they reveal that the guy's in the back of the truck, and the woman has a baby, and they kill both of them. And he jumps in the truck with the punks and avoids getting shot by Drake, uh, who gives us the dramatic line, "Goodbye, old friend." And it's like. Wait now, so he's his buddy. I, I, it seems like a, like I was like, oh, it, you know, maybe there's some sort of weird twist here that we're gonna find out that he's doing this to save him from this chip, perhaps. Maybe that's the whole story. Again, too much credit, sure. <laughs> but um, either way, Luke talks to the two punks, um, and they say they're his guardian angels, and they take him to meet Hal, uh, who's played by the great Michael Ironside. And I have to say, seeing him here made me laugh because. You know, I mentioned before Scanners, he was in Scanners and he was the guy who made the guy's head explode. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, he forgot that. I'm like, wow, look at that. Like, you know, I'm like, did they actually cast him just to have that connection here in this film? Or did that come out later after they cast him? Like, well, let's make people's heads explode. <laughs> We've got Michael Ironside. I got I got excited because I, it was a Top Gun reunion. Oh yeah, Val and, and uh, Jester. Yeah, so that, that's what I thought. I was I thought they were like, "Hey, we got you know a partial cast." You know, Tom Cruise will be here any minute. Yeah, that's that's what drew my focus away from scanners. <laughs> well, most people don't think about scanners too much. <laughs> so Hal explains what's up with this whole thing, um, which makes a lot more sense than anything else we've heard so far in this story. Uh, because Hal, you know, I'll listen to anything Hal says because he seems like the nicest guy in the world. He just wants to help. And they talk about the computer inside of Luke's head. And I it was at this moment, I realized you mentioned before hackers that Luke's name is Gibson. And in hackers, they hacked the Gibson, which is the, the supercomputer. <laughs> everything ties together in the end i think that this person's a fan of hackers uh, i mean who isn't yeah well <laughs> hey, it's not a, it's it's not a it's a it's a good 90s gem i mean all we need is somebody to yell hack the planet and we're all set <laughs> but we get to meet keyboard who uh is this guy in the hospital bed he worked for hope industries and they put a bullet in his head when he tried to take him down with a virus i mean I feel bad every time I see keyboard because I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, so for if you have not seen the film, which most people have not, um, he's in a hospital bed, completely, you know, unable to speak, unable to, to move. And all he has is his two hands with lots of like electrical stuff tied to his hands. And he's, you know, pounding his hands on what are like 
deconstructed keyboards, I guess you call it, like just pieces of metal and, and, and like, and circuits and all that. And he's able to talk to the computer through word, not voice. Like I was surprised they didn't give him a computer voice. Yeah. That's usually the thing you do with a character like that. Yeah. And he just sort of makes this very uncomfortable handicapped face. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. That's just... the way to put it. That really is the way to put it. That if you were to tell somebody, hey, make a face like you look like you're handicapped, it wouldn't be exactly proper, but this is what it would look like. Yeah. the mo Like just the most. Like Donald Trump, you know, Donald Trump acting like, you know, that the guy that he made fun of. Yeah, um, yeah that's what this is yeah making that you know face yeah like act act as if you know you're you're mocking i mean he's not he's he's not mock it's not a mock i wouldn't i wouldn't go as far as saying like it's in poor taste like it's not like chinese chocolate you know <laughs> but like he's he's definitely trying to look handicapped yeah like he could have just sat there and been like yeah. uh, you know but he definitely like wanted that extra fold under his chin yeah, you know? he could have went Stephen Hawking's on it, and he went beyond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this part where Hal explains everything that's happening, all the plan and all this, and says, you know, we, we were able to stop the failsafe. Take a look. And, <laughs> and they look at the screen, and all it just says is over and over again, access denied, access denied, access denied. I was like, what, do you, what did you think was going to be showing you? Like, like the schematics of his brain? Something? No, just access denied, access denied, access denied. There's no real effort to make this real feel feel really real as a uh as a technological effort here yeah it just looks like a like a like a desktop screensaver from the matrix <laughs> exactly well they revealed to luke everything that happened to him including the fact that the whole situation was planned that him getting uh hit by the car was all planned and luke says he doesn't remember his ex his dead wife but how says let's try to fix that why <laughs> Why yeah. would you ever want to introduce that pain to somebody? Why that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's just horrible. But this is his so okay. This is important. His emotional drive in this movie doesn't come until the middle of the movie. Because mm -hmm. he doesn't remember his wife or his nope. kid. So therefore he shouldn't care. No. And, and he, he didn't said, care at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. He never cared. When you met him, he didn't care. No. They didn't do anything to establish that he that he cared. They didn't, as we said, they didn't even put any, he wasn't even, he didn't care enough to even prep his apartment. <laughs> uh, and now they're going to tell him, they're going to revive his memory so that he can feel bad and then care but that would also be giving it too much credit because when they do he also doesn't look like he cares no just, he, just a little upset a little upset it's the same level of upset as he was when his wife got in the car <laughs> when he finds out his wife died is the same and any his memory comes back and he mm -hmm. says My child when he says that that's the same that's the same level as when she got in the car on his birthday. I love you. And I, I know. <laughs> That's the same level. <laughs> well, 
well, all this happens. And like you said before, Tatiana Masolani, she's the one who seems to have any kind of emotion about this whole thing because she doesn't feel good about using Luke this way. Uh, I thought this was going to pay off in some way, but it really doesn't. You know, she just, I, I mean, she's just there to, I guess, to be a counter opinion about this whole thing because she never makes an effort to act on that feeling. Yeah. Kind of pointless. She just sort of said, and it's not like, they're using him i don't know why they need him like what are they do can you explain that to me like what are they doing why do they need him they want to take down hope industries and they want to use him to do it but how but like, how is the question yes they have that guy who can hack into things mm -hmm. that his loving father calls him keyboard but like what does getting him into hope industries do nothing it sells them nothing. out it. yeah there's no benefit to it because i mean honestly in the end there's nothing at hope industries that will change anything if they can block the the signal in this guy's chip why can't they just hack their system and give them a virus and shut that you know like why like what does cuba gooding jr doesn't know anything in this movie he doesn't care about anything in this movie and and he doesn't provide any sort of special aside from having a chip in his brain and having the ability like because here's the other thing like they you know they mention a few times that he's like an army ranger or something mm -hmm special forces but like he's not fighting some kind of like super soldiers or something that they need to like take down or protect themselves against no, he's I mean, fighting security yeah he's fighting like yeah just guys in trench coats or businessmen or like you know there's that at one point uh i can't remember how far it is how far into the movie it is but there's that like one businessman with the gun that looks like bob newhart you know that guy yes yeah. <laughs> like he 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 looks like like low rent Toby Jones from you know and like and at one point he beats up a doctor. Yeah, he beats <laughs> up a doctor on like a doctor like and he doesn't need to. No, the doctor is not threatening him. Yeah, like the only person who poses a physical threat is Blake, right? The burn guy, Drake. Yeah, Drake burn burn. Yeah, Blake is the homeless guy. Uh, Bennett. Bennett. <laughs> His last name is Blake Jackson. Oh. <laughs> okay why am i thinking blake okay there's no blake but um but he doesn't care he doesn't possess any special abilities he doesn't possess any kind of special knowledge or it's not even like he was an insider at the company and he can get us inside he's just a, he's a pawn he's a pawn he was used as a pawn by them and then they're like oh well you can get back in there but when he gets back in there he doesn't it's not even like if you go in there and they attach the thing to your brain then we can hack into the system like there's not even that no there's no reason that they need him yeah when they actually when they went to the because they go looking for the guy who makes the ads the uh the watch guy and as they're going to go into the building, as um, Luke is going to go in the building, they send him all the plans of the building into his brain so that he can walk around inside the building. I'm like, oh, man, now he's got abilities. He's got powers, but that doesn't do anything. It doesn't they never do anything with that. I was like, couldn't they like cha like change the way his brain works in some way or like ramp something up maybe like and make him more interesting or powerful or something like that? 
but no, it's just like, oh, here's a map. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the extent of what we can do is give you a map. <laughs> that's why like, I, I keep thinking of this as sort of this like weak attempt at movies like, like Bloodshot or if you've seen, did you see Upgrade? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Upgrade, guy gets in a car wreck, gets this chip in his head or his neck or whatever and like suddenly he's got superhuman abilities it's the, you know the chip talks to him and gives him all this like you know make turns him into a superhero essentially yeah. and and you really believe that like oh wow like this guy is a force to be reckoned with now you know not this guy <laughs> not Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> he's just a very sad slightly more informed man yeah he's got maps yeah it's like, it's like I, junior plus ways yeah <laughs> i know where there are people here's the other thing how i know how he has a green dot on him how he knows where he is how the fuck does he know where everybody else is i have no idea They've all got red dots everywhere <laughs> for some reason like, like they don't have chip there's we know that there's only 660 of these these chips out there yeah. and they're, they're not working for the company yeah they don't have it how how does this happen like it doesn't work it doesn't work at all luke is going to go after uh drake and so they're getting him ready to go to drake's apartment because they're gonna he, he wants to get his revenge but red doesn't feel comfortable about this she's like you really need to be more than just the guy getting revenge you need to help all the people like you and he doesn't want to hear that because he says he says all oh, i don't have any feelings all I have is rage. And I'm like, rage is a feeling, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any food. All I have is this steak. <laughs> and over at Hope Industries, uh, they're getting ready to roll out this chip because they're doing all the advertising work. This is my favorite Val Kilmer part of this film because they're, sh they're looking at the advertising they're going to put out for the chip. And <laughs> Val Kilmer pops into the screen. She goes, I hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> I'm like, I love Frustrated Kilmer. Frustrated Kilmer is my favorite Kilmer in this movie. Uh, and eventually, you know, he, at the beginning of the show, I, I played the clip where he gets all upset because, oh, 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 and he got away. <laughs> that's, that's the, that, I needed more of that here because Kilmer, un, not unlike Cuba Gooding Jr., is playing it at a very low level for most of this performance. He's not getting too high, too low. He's just right down the middle, except for those few moments where he goes, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> I love that stuff. Um, but he also reveals that we found, and we talked about this before, that Drake uh, chose Luke for the program. Uh, and Virgil's very unhappy about this because it's going to screw up all the plans because he knows that Luke will come after them because Luke is upset and has a family and all this, which again, you mentioned before, I don't know how the family really ties into it. Like, what does that matter? I guess you don't want any loose ends uh, around, but um, hey, you know. Um, but but movie... they're really not afraid of being caught. They're no. blowing people's heads up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although they are blowing up people they feel have no family, so nobody's going to go looking for them. But there's still a chip in their head that blew up. Like, mm. and they're still, they're also, they have foot soldiers marching around the city with guns. Shoot whatever they want. Yeah, a lady. They have. Think about this. They have a lady carrying around a baby doll disguised as a gun, like a like a gypsy stealing shopping bags in Rome, Christmas in Rome. All comes together. <laughs> they have a. They. 
to take out their assets of which they have the ability to just remotely detonate. They've also got an army of foot soldiers at the ready mm-hmm. to gun these people down. And they're afraid of like, this guy's got a family. So he has something to lose. Yeah, what is again, that? it makes no sense. And it's a family he doesn't remember. Even worse, yes. And and by the way, the sister disappears. Yeah, she just goes away. Like, there's no storyline with her beyond the early, like, oh, I need your permission, and oh, he doesn't remember things. She's gone from the film at that point. They should have at least killed the sister. Yeah, I wanted, I was just thinking, did they kill her? But no, she just went away. She just goes away. He, I mean, you would think also, like, if they had B-roll footage of him, if the company had, like, footage of him in the car, that they just would have said, like, oh, he's got a family, but he doesn't care. <laughs> he yeah, it's fine he, he doesn't care about his own family <laughs> yeah even if he forgets if he remembers he doesn't care <laughs> like that would have been better if like michael ironside was like i'm gonna show you what you came from and then he's like, he's like oh no and <laughs> i probably would be I'm, I'm probably gonna be really upset you're gonna be really upset and then he shows him and he's like oh who are I, they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Speaking of Michael Ironsides, we find out that he is Keyboard's dad, uh, which is why he's doing all this. And like you said before, this is there's way more interest in what's happening between Hal and Keyboard than there is with Kubrick Jr. anything else in this film. And that's a real problem because <laughs> they get killed right away, like mm-hmm. in this storyline, because once Kubrick Jr. gets captured, um, they're like, oh, well, shut it all down. Again, like you said, what was the plan? Yeah, like- <laughs> Like they didn't exist. They didn't have a way, despite having this, like the most amazing hacker in the world at their disposal, they didn't have a way to combat this corporation until this non-caring, non-aware man was discovered by these like Crayola headed punks punks in a car. Like it's just so, yeah, I mean, it really lacks a through line. Such a mind fuck. Like, that's the thing, like, nothing connects from stage to stage here because everybody's plot doesn't work. Like, everything would hit a dead end if you sat down and thought about it. Yeah. And so if you have multiple plot lines all going to a dead end, how does the movie even, you know, work? How how do you get to a a climax? It makes me mad. Yeah, because money was spent on this. People with talent are in this film. It's not like this is just a bunch of kids who like got together and like, hey, let's make a movie. No, no, these are talented individuals and they were brought together and this is what happened. Yeah. And who thought this was okay? Yeah. Nobody like, edited this. No one, no one asked a question. And I I feel like, you know, sometimes there's there's a movie that's at the at the heart of it, there there's a good idea. And like where did it go wrong yeah where did it go wrong and it's like oh well the you know the studio took but what studio this is this is like obviously done in 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 like a back alley in canada like Mm -hmm. they so it's super low budget who's in charge of this thing but there's not there's not even like a cool like good example is like what is it pandorum have you seen pandorum no like a lower budget canadian sci-fi movie Bigger budget than this, certainly. But like Ben, the guy who played Archangel in X-Men. Okay. Really like simple, or even like Upgrade. Upgrade's a low budget. Yeah, it's an indie. Low budget indie movie. Similar dystopian future. 
guy, unsuspecting guy gets chip in brain, gets sucked into a, you know, a larger plot and similar thing going on. But this just like, it feels like they were writing the script as they went along. Hmm. Like they were just improvising scenes. Yeah, because if you sit down and look at this plot, it doesn't work. If you spent any time trying to figure out, well, wait, why they do this? You'd answer, your answer would be like, well, they wouldn't. Right. Like corporation, like, okay, corporations will stop at nothing to put advertising in front of your eyes. Okay. I, sure. So to the point of implanting things in your brain. Okay. Sure. If you don't buy their thing, they'll blow your head up. Wait. <laughs> then you don't need to advertise because then it's like, buy my thing or I'll blow your head off. Exactly. Uh, so that doesn't make sense. Corporations want to sell things to people, but they're using homeless people who have no money or home. So no money to buy things and no place to put it. And they're selling them watches, which it's like, if you're homeless, what do you have to be on time for? <laughs> If you're like, they're selling them gum, if you're spending billions of dollars on a chip, why are you like gum is gum? <laughs> like, and, and like you said, you know, why are you selling, why do you need to advertise whiskey to a homeless person? Like, yeah. so none of that makes sense. Like this guy's got to avenge his wife, but he doesn't remember he has a wife. Well, now he remembers. So he wants <laughs> to avenge his wife, but he didn't like his wife. <laughs> the company hires a guy to fix a problem that he created while working for the company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a guy. Yeah. He brings, he doesn't like Cuba Gooding Jr. because of a thing that happened to his face in another country off screen in another movie, I guess happens to work for this company ropes him into this, but he also happens to be the savior to the neo for for Michael Ironside and and his and and his you know cripple faced son, like <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot of loose strands in this movie. Oh man, it and, and like you said before, they do actually manage to do some things right uh, because when uh, Drake and Luke get into a big fight at, at Drake's apartment, uh, which is actually you know. The thing I like the most about this is his tea kettle. <laughs> he had a really cool tea kettle. <laughs> I was like, this is the most when that when they lit up that burner. They should have put a sign over it saying, watch this space. Chekhov's gun. <laughs> like the I've never in my life. I'm like, okay, burn face guy, but they never use it. Oh. I'm like, you're gonna tell me that he's not gonna burn the other side of this guy's face? Come on. <laughs> Jeez. And, and I love so that that shot under the burner oh that was kind of neat i mean <laughs> kind of yeah. neat doesn't make sense but kind of neat yeah. <laughs> i also didn't i wondered like because cooper and Jane pulls a gun on drake in that scene and drake just goes gun and the gun that like flies out of his hand yeah <laughs> what exactly is that it's an well they say it's an advanced security system of which they have no knowledge it must like he must have a more advanced so Try, just try, you, you, like you said, you're a writer. Try to explain to me how that works, <laughs> that a gun is removed from the guy's hand by saying gun in this room. Yeah, there's some sort of energy field in the room. We live in a world that, 
that can pump advertising into your brain, much like Jim Carrey's The Riddler. Uh, <laughs> it all ties together. It all ties together in Batman Forever. Uh, but also, there are secu- like, like why aren't they selling that security system? Seriously. I also will point out that when he says oh, door to open the door, it takes a good two, three seconds for the door to open. But gun immediately makes a gun fly out of somebody's hands. Oh, God. It's I guess such... the technology works when you need it to work in a movie, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really just a way for them to be let, to have it be, a, you know, a fist fight. I guess. Like, oh, man, we have to, like, and th- this guy's also special forces. Like, you couldn't just have had it that he's, I don't know, got got a fast hands or something <laughs> like what? get the gun away from him yeah yeah or he's got a hidden knife he's got that tea kettle yeah <laughs> throw that tea kettle it's a kettle and <laughs> it just kettle bonks him on the head <laughs> he almost kills drake but doesn't kill him because the security uh crew kills uh drake i want to keep i see drake and luke and i'm like oh gonna mix those two up <laughs> Thankfully, not Blake. Um, so, <laughs> so they capture Luke and they take him to this white room. And hey, guess who's here? Bennett Jackson. Uh, because, you know, they captured him too. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but this, at this, I mean, the moment this happened, I was like, hold on, why is he here? Now, this is the only clever twit. This is the only part in the movie that I was like, oh, I thought, I thought if I'm going to give any credit anywhere, and again, it's completely stupid that they have this full-time man in homeless gear that they that they give cappuccinos, and they have this like laser, laser like camera system. I guess they're, like they're yeah they're they're advertising bubble gum, but they have the capability to do a three-dimensional hologram that's indistinguishable from another human being anywhere they want. Yeah. In real time. That's the technology to sell. Yeah. You don't need to advertise that. I want that. Imagine like you're sitting in your room and you're like, I want to watch the uh, Beyonce concert. And she's right there in your room. (laughs) Yeah. Right now we're two assholes on Zoom. Like imagine we could just like sit in the living room and it's like we're really like we can't even tell that we're in different places yet we are. Wouldn't that be amazing? Isn't that a, a technology you can leverage? No, 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 no. We have to, we have to, we have to. Advertising. You have to advertise Oster. <laughs> advertise for Oster bread. Bread makers. Ah, Jesus. Well, since they captured, uh, well, Bennett reveals that he works for the company and he was only there to, ca- to get the information out of Luke. Uh, now Hal and Blue and Red are all in trouble. And so they start breaking down the uh, place and they back up all the files from keyboards, hacks, which, by the way, all of his work fits on two thumb drives. <laughs> Not a lot of work there done, keyboard. <laughs> so here you go. Two thumb drives. They give to Red. Can we just talk about this, like where they live? That like uh, abandoned building thing? <laughs> abandoned building that just looks like a prop warehouse that's got <laughs> like a, shelving got like a mannequin in the corner with lots of wires all over it yeah i want to know how okay so there's security cameras basically everywhere nobody could have caught these guys going to and from this building michael ironside in a sweater just lumbering around 
they can see inside of buildings. They can't find these two. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the idea that there seems to be a lot of electricity being used at this building, this abandoned building. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, running server farms there. To to download the stream for this movie, it took me just for this movie. It took it took like I don't know, like eight minutes or something like that. How did keyboard back everything up in a second? Yeah. I mean, maybe he has a great you know connection. A, 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 yeah, he has a great <laughs> or in two thousand nine, he has a uh, what is that when you zip a file. What is that program? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, is, I, he hacked. He hacked how to unzip real. Like I don't know. I. That's what he's been working on all this time. They have. They have the 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 filmmakers of this movie have about the level of understanding of of computers that I have. <laughs> so like their their use of of word, they just say hack a whole lot mm. and frame and keyboard. Not good. No. Not good. Well, then we see Virgil actually visit Luke in that white room. Again, his hair is insane. And this scene, I actually kind of like this scene because uh, they're uploading a virus to Luke's head because that's how they're going to sh uh, shut down his failsafe protection. And things go a little crazy here. You get all this like uh, glitching out of all the different characters we've seen in the advertisements combining with Gilmer. Um, Kind of, he's like virtually hallucinating, which in a way. And for the first time, I think in the entire film, Gooding almost emotes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh wow. He does excruciating headache pretty well. Yeah, that's that's where his like limit lies in this film. He, I think it was part of his contract. He was like, I will give you this much. <laughs> Splitting yeah. headache is what you get. <laughs> How mad I am to be here. And while oh, while this is all happening, Keyboard erases all his files. As the Hope Industry people come, they kill Hal uh, by blowing away. This is a little uh, I didn't quite understand. They're like, step away from the boy. Keyboard's maybe thirty years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he's a boy. Um, yeah. But besides the fact, they say step away from the boy because he's about to disconnect his oxygen to to kill him, and so he's not going to stop. So they blow him away with rifles on top of the keyboard. <laughs> I mean, they were going to kill him either way. It doesn't make any sense. If you shoot Hal, you kill keyboard. He's right there. Yeah, well, I think they were not going to kill keyboard. I think they were going to try and like, right? They weren't trying to kill keyboard. I don't know, because they opened fire with him right behind him. <laughs> but I think he, they were killing, he was killing keyboard so that they couldn't like, use keyboard in any way or like torture keyboard yeah i get that but also i would like to take this opportunity to point out that there's another guy that also has a chip in his head that bennett 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 jackson yeah. bennett jackson is also fooling yes who gets hacked by a by a chinese girl a young chinese remember no that's bennett's cover story i believe when he was trying to trick uh luke he was like, yeah, it was a Chinese girl that like tricked me, that like hacked into my head. She's like 15. I think that was just his cover story to get him to tell him to, to get Luke to tell Bennett who his hacker was. Oh, okay. See? Yeah, it's, it all it all just combines. <laughs> but there are other people that are being hacked that Bennett's in their heads as well. And um <laughs> we get a little fun moment when Luke finds Bennett 
in the in somebody else's head and starts attacking him and the guy's freaking out because then it's acting like talking to somebody else that was but a fun that, little moment but is that guy being hacked by other are there other hackers out there that are also i don't know i don't think so i think he's just a victim of the of the experiment okay because then why do you even it's like they're planning like that guy exists because they're trying to find yeah wait why is he in that guy's head because if they've already got cuba gooding jr yeah why would he even go go to him I, i i don't understand that now like they're sending him after everybody yeah but why I mean, it makes sense if they were, it makes sense if they were like, oh, well, this guy, we think that he's been in, you know, he's been hacked. Yeah. Find out why, or find out who's hacking him or, oh, keyboard reached out to this guy, mm-hmm. you know, like, but why, why are they doing it to everybody? Why is yeah, he? It doesn't make any sense. Hmm. None of it. <laughs> no. It's, like it's another... very frustrating. <laughs> well. Virgil finds out that Keyboard blew up the headquarters, so they have no access to any of the information that he had. So the only information now is inside Oluk's head. So Virgil says, okay, prepare for surgery. We're going to get that chip out and get everything we need from him. So Luke is laying comatose on the, on the operating table, and the punk twins are trying to wake him up. By, and they try to use the footage of his wife again to arrange him. You think with a chip in your head, you can maybe like mess with his brain chemistry, you know, like, and just be like pump some you know, adrenaline or something like that to get them going. But no, they're just like, here's more pictures of the person you don't care about. Yeah. Remember that video that you didn't care about in the beginning of the movie? Here's more. Yeah. <laughs> that should work. Well, in the nick of time, he wakes up and he escapes and he does a very necessary kick at the door on the way out, which only you only do that if the door's locked. You don't have to kick a door open if it's not locked. So he kicks the door open. And I'm really hoping at this point that we get a face-off with Virgil because if we don't get Luke versus Virgil in the end, this movie's pointless. Like, what was the whole point of having Val Kilmer in this movie to begin with? I would argue that it's pointless. Uh, I'm not going to argue <laughs> that. <either. laughs> so there, he's trying to get through the building, and they decide to help him and tell him, "Hey, shoot out the lights, and we'll turn on the infrared so that we can see where they are." And like you said before. This doesn't seem to matter because none of nobody else is chipped. How do you know who they where they are? It's yeah. really quite dumb. <laughs> yeah, like maybe you know what room you're in, mm-hmm. but then you're just in the dark and they're in the dark. Yeah. How can you see them? And you're the only one chipped. <laughs> yeah. But there's also no it's not like he has special vision. No. I mean, they told him where to shoot, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much video games you play, but Anytime I try to use any kind of mapping to find out where things are, I am completely lost because it's a, whole, it's a different plane than what I'm playing on. I'm looking forward and back. It's, the map is going up and down. Yeah. And they keep showing him all these different map, like all these different camera angles. I'm like, some people are running left. Some people are running right. Some people are up and down. I'm like, this would just confuse me if I saw all these angles in my head. I'd be like, I don't know where I'm looking. There's so many of them. So many. There's like a hundred. I mean, not a hundred, but there, there's got to be like... 20 soldiers after him mm-hmm. and they're all convert you know they're like all converging and and he just stays in the same place too he doesn't yeah. he, like it's not like he you know oh there's a, a catwalk up here and he he just they turn on the map and he just stays in the same place and shoots them impossibly 
(laughs) Well, he's special forces, you know. That's true, yeah. Well, he gets away from all of them and finds where they're projecting the, the, you know, the guys into people's heads, into the test subject's head. And so he shoots the computer to stop that from happening. And then immediately tells the scientists to to tell people the truth through that system that he just shot. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't pick up on that. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, have a clever solution to end it. They, <laughs> they don't take it. Oh, I'm like, like, maybe he had a backup computer. I, I don't know. But like, he immediately <laughs> sends out the message to everybody, explaining again everything that happened in this movie to the test subjects. I think this is the third time we've gotten this exposition dump of everything that's happened in this film, uh, which pads out the film tremendously, but does lead us to the face of with Virgil. Thank the Lord, uh, we do get Kilmer versus Luke. What? Finally, Kilmer in person. Yes. Well, we, at least, as far as we believe. Yeah. <laughs> so Virgil comes in with these amazing granny chains on his, on his glasses. I don't know what that, who thought that idea up. That's something else. And then he clones himself over and over again to create multiple versions of Kilmer. There's more Kilmer per capita in this film than in anything we've done so far. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many Kilmers in the scene. So now he doesn't know which one is the real Virgil. So what do you do? He yells out to the punks, use infrared to find him. Now, if you're Kilmer and you're standing there, you're like, wait, what? Why don't you just shoot him at that point? Yeah. Oh, shit. He's taking, he's using some kind of thing. Yeah. It's also the one that he is, is standing alone behind him. Yes. One guy. <laughs> so he's the one guy. It's like one of these things is not like the other thing. There's dozens of you over there and there's one of you right there yeah and so the infrared comes on he turns around well he actually just reaches behind him and shoots val kilmer and val kilmer is dead this is actually i think only the second time we've seen kilmer die in a movie on this show the first one was tombstone where he died of uh, tuberculosis in the uh, hospital this one doesn't quite mean as much (laughs) he's just laying there on the floor with that crazy hair splayed out on the floor i wish his wig would have come off (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would have been amazing head pops back wig flies off <laughs> also uh, keep in mind that the one of the did you notice that when when he right before he kills kilmer words come on the screen that say one bullet left yeah how do they know that i don't know <laughs> but they do and they just they're like counting the one bullet left like how do they know he doesn't know i mean it's really just to tell the audience like there's oh, one bullet left yeah. yeah one bullet left and there's some stakes here yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's special forces. Again, special forces. He should know what he's got left in his gun. I mean, he's, you know, you think that's something they know about. Yeah. Yeah. We now get a memory moment with Luke and his wife, you know, and uh, he, he remembers his wife finally. And there's actually, he actually shows some care for her at this point. I, I don't know why this now all of a sudden he, he shows some care for his wife. And then we're into the next scene. And I guess we're trying to set up a sequel here because he's in the truck with the punks and they're going to Hope City, which has never been mentioned ever before in the film. Uh, I'm like, okay, what's this? What's Hope City? And they're going to track down, I think Jonathan Hope was his name, the head of Hope Industries. And this is another city that has lots of advertisements flying around. And um, there's actually like curfew warnings in the sky and stuff like that. Did they really think they were going to make another one of these? I think that they thought this was going to be another cube. I think I, I will point out that he made one prequel to Cube, and that was it. 
but I, I think I think that that was the idea was that like they they found a way to because you figure they've got they've got Cuba Gooding Jr. they've got Michael Ironside they've got Val Kilmer they they think you know they've got some sort of like Canadian film financing scheme <laughs> uh, and they're like we're gonna make this I think they they thought they probably you know had. I'm going to get in these guys' heads for a minute and and just say that they they probably, you know, had a very enthusiastic chat about evil corporations, you know, and thought they had a really great angle, you know. You notice those YouTube ads that are always coming up? Well, imagine that was in your head and you couldn't skip it. You know. Like there was some kind of some kind of conversation like that and they thought that everybody would resonate with this. And I mean, otherwise you wouldn't end the movie that way. The thing is, I was thinking about this. If you didn't end with this, you know, cliffhanger to a sequel, how do you end this movie? Is it just Kilmer on dead on the ground? Because there's nothing else. Again, like we said, the plots don't work. So there's no payoff in the end. Yeah. I mean, keyboard's dead. Hal's dead. Kilmer's dead. Drake's dead. What's left? There's the wife's about- dead. There's a bunch of homeless people walking around with chips in their head. Bombs in their head. Yeah. And they're just going to another city. And the company's not shut down. Is it shut down? I don't think so. The company's still going. I mean, <laughs> like if, if I go, I don't know, if I go to Microsoft and I, I like shoot the CEO. The company keeps going, yeah. Yeah, do they just go, oh, well, we can't do anything. You know, like, do they just stop? Do they just shut everything? Shut it all down. And by the way, Kilmer's not even in charge. He's just working for somebody else. Yeah. (laughs) What? They didn't do anything. No. (laughs) Nothing was solved. Nothing was finished. Nothing was ended. Nobody was saved. Nope. In fact, more people were killed than anything else. Yeah. He just should have stolen the watch. It's a very nihilistic film. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing, everything's meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about in this film? I can't imagine, but. <laughs> oh, God. It's no. I mean, it's. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, it, this, this, this movie is just like, it's just so. Here's a question Do you think that Val Kilmer, knowing that he had he was filming his scenes with a virtual background deliberately gave himself bad tommy we so why so hair just to give himself something to think about so like a, a actor secret kind of thing like that wig just to entertain himself yeah because like very possible he's that kind of guy yeah like the granny glasses like i feel like he was doing and i feel like he was doing some some like dr moreau brando shit that was his business, I think, on the on this film. You know, like he couldn't do much more. So, hey, I'm gonna have some fun with hair and and <laughs> my weird affect. <laughs> it's very possible. You know, I mean, there's not much else to his his performance here, unfortunately, because there's not he doesn't interact with anybody for the most part. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, but I mean, there, it, this movie is at any given time you could turn this movie on, and you would have as much context as you have. Uh, if you watch the whole thing, you know, this is true. Yeah. You get just as much out of it. (laughs) What would have been a better movie is if they put chips in people's heads that made them watch this movie. (laughs) That's punishment. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, now that we've had our say, let's hear from the man himself. It's time for a reading from the Book of Vows. Our reading today comes from Val Kilmer's memoir. I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, Hardwired, surprisingly, is not mentioned in this book. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, um, nor is Cooper Gooding Jr. Um, and, you know, so I just pulled a passage that caught my eye, and I will provide it with zero context because I think that makes it more interesting. And so I found myself at a smelly dive bar in the middle of the night trying to spread the love of love, trying to save a life. I waited for a while. I admit several times I gave up on him showing and imagined his funeral. Then there came a slap on my back, the hand sliding over my very expensive black leather jacket, and, in an exaggerated movement, gently indicating I was to bring my right hand up to grasp his right hand in a sort of handshake, massage, embrace hug, which magically culminated in the handing off to me of a rather sizable amount of cocaine, which I pocketed like that Disneyland magician whose sleight of hand magic maneuvers mesmerized me as a child. Thanks be to Val. (laughs) I will not explain why that happened or what was happening in that scene. I will just leave it at that. It's, it's quite a passage. Was he doing cocaine at this time, at this point in this? No, no, (laughs) it's something else. (laughs) But I like to just leave it at that. It's just its own little moment of Val Kilmer involving cocaine, a, a handshake, and a leather jacket. <laughs> okay. Does he mention Michael Ironside in the book? No, he did not mention Michael Ironside. Uh, only in the Top Gun section. Uh, he does mention Michael Ironside in the Yes, in the Top Gun section, yeah. Okay, good. Did he like him? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. He doesn't speak ill of anybody in the book. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's a, a very positive book. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have had our say and Val Kilmer has had his say, why don't we hear some from some others? Come children, let's explore the kills and valleys. Kills and valleys, the best and worst reviews of this film. There's basically nothing out there. <laughs> Nobody it doesn't even have a rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I found two recognized reviews on that site. One from David Nissar from Real Film Reviews. He said, though it possesses a kernel of an interesting idea, Hardwired inevitably establishes itself as just another run-of-the-mill direct-to-video actioner, with Cuba Gooding Jr.'s presence in the central role ultimately more sad than anything else. And that covers it with that one, for sure. He got right to the point. Sad. Then we had uh, James O'Elly from the Sci-Fi Movie page. A sure sign of amateurism is when the director uses incessant soundtrack music without practically any silences in between. Hardwired is one of those movies. There's a lot of soundtrack in this film. There is. It's funny that he locked on that as the sign of amateurism, though. <laughs> Versus everything else happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely noticed every time the punks were on screen, they played punk music, which I was like, oh, that's a little on the nose. <laughs> wow. Now I have to go back and watch. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've watched it twice, and that's enough for me. <laughs> over on amazon the unwashed masses have left us 72 reviews of which 74 percent of them are five stars although most of them are focused on the fact that the disc was delivered <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it was delivered to my house i'd put one star <laughs> <laughs> this is an excellent movie with lots to think about with cameras at every stop sign wiretapping and corporate domination everything today is marketing the president, the entertainers, commercials at the theater, and even t-shirts with advertising. For that insight alone, it deserves a great deal of respect. I found it thoroughly exciting. I guess most people don't care about losing their freedom. 
<laughs> t-shirts with advertising man this guy took the wrong time to complain about that i think that's been going on since the 60s yeah. and then we have this one a prophetic film of what could happen to the ordinary citizen in a possible future society the most intelligent scientists are technologically creating and how the most important powerful people in the world placed in control of big institutions could use these human techno advances any way they see fit for good or evil purposes five stars Define could happen and possible <laughs> as keywords in in your review, sir. Like 5% of the Amazon reviews are one star, and these are the people who had something to share about Hardwired. A trifecta, bad script, bad directing, bad acting, a low budget, low quality production, totally lacking in originality. If you really appreciate seeing the worst of the worst, you're a film critic wannabe or film student seeking some what not to do guidance, take a look. Otherwise, save yourself the pain. Accurate. Yeah, accurate. <laughs> this is one of the worst films I've seen recently. The plot is predictable. I don't know how the plot could be predictable because it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I didn't see any of this nonsense coming. <laughs> the production is lame and two normally good actors come across as though they just want to hurry and finish filming so they can try to do something constructive with their careers. Dead on. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can't help but think that Val Kilmer agreed to such pitiful costuming in an attempt to hide behind that hideous wig. Please don't be fooled by that cover. Let's talk about the cover a second. Did you take a look at the cover of this film? I did not. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you pop that one up there for a second? Oh, wow. Explain to me who that person is. <laughs> for those who have not seen the cover, on the left side is Val Kilmer from approximately Top Gun era. <laughs> On the right is Cuba Gooding Jr. But but it's okay. It's obviously his head on someone else's body. Obviously. <laughs> like that jawline is like the waviest jawline. <laughs> it, it's like and and like the 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 lighting just like around his fit it it it's less convincing than when people do those like videos where on Instagram where there, you know, where, where you can sort of filter your face onto Jack Sparrow's face. Yeah. Yeah. This is the worst case of false advertising. I think I've ever seen for a film. Yeah. Like the person on this cover is not in this movie. Yeah. And, and also it like, they stole his past. Now he's taking back his future. Well, no, they, they stole his present. <laughs> yep. And I mean, I guess he forgot where he was so technically they stole his past but it looks like they're like partners yeah you know it's a totally misleading cover and like yeah like cuba gooding yeah like why cuba gooding jr is sort of i mean i guess cuba gooding jr looks like cuba gooding jr looks in this movie pretty much but that's not about kilmer <laughs> not in yeah, this movie <laughs> so we have a decision to make with or without Val. Does Val Kilmer make or break this movie? You could have put a cardboard cutout in this movie. <laughs> like, uh, he doesn't bring anything to the table in this movie. No. Break. I think if you, the idea that Kilmer could make or break this film would be like giving him the power of a god. Yeah. Because there's nothing he could do to change what this film is. Yeah. Unless he came in there screaming at every scene, and just like a complete lunatic, then maybe I'd be totally entertained by it. But 
as it is, this movie is dreadfully dull and makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> and he, you know what? He had the chance to make the movie hmm. because he, he, he didn't care clearly to the level that like he could have really done something with that wig. <laughs> I just think that he didn't have, there was nothing for him to do in the movie. He's on a TV screen for 75% of it. <laughs> I mean, but he could have just, he could have done some crazy voice. He could have even just showed up exactly like Jim Morrison, you know, <laughs> just the exact. <laughs> um, but, he did make a choice with that hair at least. So that's, that's the positive out of this. <laughs> he choose that. I don't know. I'm going to give, I will give Mal Kilmer credit for that. <laughs> okay. <thank you. laughs> well, now that we've covered today's film, I'd like to play a game and it's called evil incorporated Ooh. in hardwired. Hope Industries was attempting to make an army of subservient consumers through brain implants, but they're hardly the only evil company in film. So I'm going to give you the name of an evil corporation, and I want you to try to tell me what film they tried their evil wares on. Okay? Try it. So what movie they're from? Yep. So I'll start with you with an easy one. Cyberdyne Systems. Terminator. Excellent. Now they get hard. Okay. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> Omni Consumer Products. Uh, that's 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 uh, Robocop. Excellent. Oh, better known as OCP in that film. Yes. How about InGen? Uh, 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 I know InGen. InGen. Is that uh, Jurassic Park? That is Jurassic Park. Three for three, Ricky. Killing it. <laughs> Up next recall recall mm -hmm. a total recall it's total recall <laughs> a little trick question <laughs> this what? one's a hard one this one's a hard one lector core lector core yeah is that like red dragon no it's pootie tang oh <laughs> pootie tang fought lector core <laughs> Sarate. <laughs> How about the Soylent Company? Soylent Green. Excellent. See, I try to mix them up between ridiculous and easy. <laughs> Wayland Utani. Uh that's uh that's definitely it has to do with the alien movies. Is it all the alien movies or is it just alien versus predator? You're correct. Aliens. Okay. You are killing it. You know, your evil corporations. Oh. Here's one that uh, might trick me up. Live Corp. Live Corp. Oh shit. I won't know that one. That's this so is going to be an um, embarrassing one for you considering your field of specialty. Oh, animated. So I don't know. Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Oh, oh. <laughs> and here's your uh, second to last one. Resources Development Administration. <laughs> nice and generic name. Yeah, I know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that one. <laughs> it's better known as the RDA in Avatar. Ah. And your final one, Oscorp. Oh, that's Spider-Man. Excellent. Spider-Man. You have won Evil Incorporated. Woo! Yay! <laughs>
thank you so much. And that's all for this episode of KilmerCast. I'd like to thank you, Ricky, for joining me as we gaze in wonder at Val Kilmer's ridiculous hair. <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no. Just, uh, I, I'd like to, if I could, uh, just plug, uh, just encourage people, everybody out there to not watch this movie. <laughs> A reverse plug. Yeah, go out and see the sun. <laughs> Stare at it instead. That's probably a healthier thing to do. Than... <laughs> Stare at the sun for, for two hours. That's a better thing to do with your time. Well, in our next episode, we're going all the way back to 1995 to watch Val Kilmer try his hand at the heist game once again in Michael Mann's Heat. In the meanwhile, please email any thoughts, questions, or comments to kilmercast.gmail.com and follow the show at Twitter at Kilmercast. For myself and my guest, Ricky Roxburgh, thanks for listening and remember to keep it Kilmer. Kilmer.